Welcome to the Phil Nason Show, brought to you by PlayUp Sportsbook. PlayUp welcomes all bettors and offers the best prices on the market. They are also proud to be an official betting partner of the New Jersey Devils. Check them out online or in the App Store and see for yourself why PlayUp is your best bet. You're listening to a pre-recorded edition of the Phil Nason Show. The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I'm excited to have you here. We'll be here for as long as it takes, and I have a great show planned for you today. PlayUp Sportsbook presents the Phil Nason Show. Head on over to playup.com, sign up for an account, and find out why PlayUp is always your best bet. And my best bet is on the line. He is a professional sports better. He's been one for over three decades, and I hope he doesn't crack me when he sees me for saying that and aging him. Please welcome Tony C. to the show. What's up, man? How are you, Phil? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, good to talk to you, finally. Yeah, on, on air, finally, yes. Right, on air. Correct. I'll tell you what, man. When I got off the phone with you the other day, I was laughing so damn hard. And Kim couldn't figure out why, because usually when I get phone calls, it's, hey, why did you lose yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> I said, wow. man, it was just a beautiful time talking with somebody who understands me and I understand him. And uh, he's coming on my show. And here he is. It's my pleasure to be here, really. How did you get into all this? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if my memory serves me right. It's been a while. Right, right. Probably started back in grammar school. Like a lot of other guys with parlay cards, just for action, you know, five dollar parlay cards, and it moved. My dad was an attorney, oddly enough, and he had a, a catering hall in North Bergen on Sixty First Street, the Madison Manor, it was called. Mm-hmm. And every Saturday, when you're Italian, you tend to have more uncles than a, than are genetically possible, if you know what I mean. <laughs> a lot of guys become your uncle. Right, right, right. So a guy would come in, and he uh, he had the Thuman's route in all the Thuman's routes in Hudson and Bergen County, and he was a bookmaker. So back in the dump, talking in seventy, early mid seventies, mm-hmm. no, obviously no computers, no phones, no nothing. So he would come in on his route, and he would take use the the old fashioned triplicate. I call it rice paper, match paper, whatever you want to call it, that the old books used, mm-hmm. and he would take your bet. And the next week, either pay or collect. And in those days, it was always pay on my part. Uh, I was a kid. I didn't know what I was doing, but I had a lot of gamble in me. And uh, I wasn't betting big. I was betting, you know, 25-timer, which you had to pay 30, 30 for a law. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where they got that math from, I don't know, but it worked for them. Uh, that's pretty much how it started. And um then from there, in I guess '76, when the Meadowlands became, I mean, when they had eighteen thousand a night on the weekends there, sixteen thousand people a night, it was huge back in the day. People, you know, the horse racing is pretty much dead now, but mm-hmm. back in the day, that place was rocking, and I loved it. My dad had friends that owned uh, 
trotters and, and pacers. And I became involved in that. And at that point, I'd pretty much bet on anything. You know, I just, I had, I had gamble in me. Um, not very successful, but um, I had a dream. all right yeah for sure (laughs) i've said that speech before yeah and uh that's pretty much how it started how i started um i had a bookmaker probably by i guess 13 years old (laughs) you know five timers 10 timers that type of thing and again not a whole lot of success success came far later which which people don't talk about. You would think a lot of these guys came out of the womb, great sports bettors, which is not the case. Not the um, case. I went broke more times than I can remember over the years uh, until I finally figured it out. And, uh, but that's how it started anyway. Well, that's that's exactly right. You know, No one ever wants to talk about the humble beginnings part. Oof. They only want to talk about the uh, gravy at the end of the rainbow or the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. That's exactly right. So when you were betting, and, and this is the fun part, is that you encountered a lot of different people. What was it that made everything kind of turn around for you uh, to where you make a living and a very good one at that, betting on sports? Well... My dad went to high school with Lem Banker. Okay. Now, he was ready to go to law school. Lem said, why don't you come out to the desert? I want to be a professional better. My father said, what are you, nuts? It was a sandlot then, you know. So years later, you know, my father realized school's not for him. He's in trouble all the time. He wants to bet. Let me hook him up with somebody that knows what they're doing. So he said, would you like to have, you know, I'll, I'll reach out. I'll get out of Lem get in touch with you and you could at least get some guidance in a proper way to do this. And, you know, Lem told me this business is all about information, numbers and information about injuries. And that's it. There's no magic wand. There's no, um, which we'll talk about this. Well, we'll get there. Um, yep. But he, he operated, and he was a huge, huge better back in the day. Uh, he just passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but that was my first real aha moment, if you will, as far as, well, you're doing this all wrong, you know. Um, and in my, fast forward, I guess to my early 20s, I started attempting to make power ratings and numbers on games and don't think this is you know no computers no phones no nothing you couldn't even get a score you had a sports pager back in the day that worked half the time you'd have to scroll through 50 different games you know whatever the amount of games were on a saturday and it, it was hard to get a score there were there was a score phone i think they called it an 800 number and the bill ran up monthly it was ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> They had I it could, going on. I could barely turn a profit now. I'm, I'm spending all the money to get scores. <laughs> but, and that's the way it was. Um, and then moving forward, uh, I started making my own numbers. I used other people's power ratings initially, mm-hmm. and I adjusted off them. And then I learned the proper way to handicap a game, which I did for quite a long time i don't do it anymore because in this market 
before you see a number, these games have already been handicapped by the best, bet into by the best. And what you have left is after they bet. Right. So that's the initial number you see. Are there some holes in them? Sure. Small at this time of year, very small ones. Very small ones. Beginning of the year, it's a different season. You have you have mismatched competitions. You have overlays on favorites. Um, so you can earn that way. But this time of year, you got to know your stuff, and you have to get a number. Uh, and we'll talk. Well, you could talk about uh, closing line value if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you run the ship because I'll be all over the place. Okay. So so you know what? When you talk about like a few weeks ago, you said something on Twitter that was fascinating, and, and there's this big thing between sharps and squares. And when I was coming up, I was 18 out in Vegas. Lefty Rosenthal told me something about this whole sharps and squares, and I wonder what you thought about this. He said, if they can, if if I walk into a sports book or a counter or to my bookie, and I put money down, and that line moves, that's what a sharp is. He said, if you walk in. And you plunk down the same amount and on the same bet, he goes, I will bet you that line never moves. Granted, makes 100% sense. Here's the problem. There you go. That's why you're here. Yeah. Um, short term, and I'm talking one-offs. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Last night, uh, we bet West Virginia. Everybody was on West Virginia plus four. Went down to three and a half. No sale there. Mm-hmm. I bet Marist. I laid three, went down to two, uh, went down to two. Everybody was on a dog. I stayed put, won that bet. So you're talking short term. To me, doesn't mean anything. On, I'll be honest with you. It if I'm confident about a, a a bet, I'm not moving because somebody else likes the other side. Right now, long term, completely different story. Long term, it's all you got. If you can't get the best of it, long term, you can't win. It's an impo- it's a mathematical impossibility. If you're laying three on a game and it closes minus one and everybody else is laying one, over time, you can't win. The math will just grind you into the dirt. It, it's an impossibility to win. But the sharp square thing, Mickey Appleman told me, he said, I said, hey, Mickey, the they're betting this side. He goes, first of all, who are they? And how do you know why they're betting it? This is exactly what he told me. Right. He said, first of all, you don't know who's betting it. You don't know why they're betting it. They could be edging off a position. They could, he said, there's a million scenarios. They could have a different, they could have a split bet, first half, dog, second. He said, there's a million scenarios that you don't know. So you can't say, first of all, you don't know who's making the bet. Second of all, you don't know why they're betting it. And you, he said, pick a side, do your work, make a bet, and live and die by it. That's old school, you know. Right. Mickey's old school, the same way, you know, Alan Boston's old school. They're both geniuses, you know, think on a completely different level than most people. Oh, yeah. And Mickey and I would go back and forth. I said, Mickey, I'm a numbers guy. And we would, no, you got it. He was a, he's an adamant reader of game previews, mm-hmm. and he has a knack to find stuff that other people miss. And that just wasn't the way, you know, at, at this stage of the game, the way I operate. 
but there's more than one way to skin a cat for sure. But that sharp and square thing, it's an overused term, completely overused. Back in the 80s, um, <clears throat> I worked, I would answer phones once in a while. A friend of mine was a, a bookie, became a bookie at a very young age, 17. Pro, his protege was Tugboat. Tugboat showed him the ropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once in a while, I would, uh, I would answer phones at his office. And one day, we're there, and the local, a lot of guys I knew were calling in, you know, that I grew up with. And then we would, I'd get a call. What do you have, 650 North Carolina? Uh, I'm sorry. It's this Joe for Apple. What do you have with the 650? It's North Carolina minus 7 minus 10. Give me five dimes, North Carolina. 30 seconds later, it's Billy for Apple. And that happened two or three times until my friend said, go to seven and a half. The fourth call was Mike for Apple. What do you got? 650 North Carolina. Seven and a half minus 10. Just a dial tone. Click. And that was it. They were done. <laughs> I said, Albie, who are these apples? He said, those are the kosher boys. I didn't know who the kosher boys were at the time. Right. You know, uh, turns out they were the kosher boys and they beat him between college football and baseball. They were the best baseball betters I've ever seen. By a long shot. Yes. Not even cl- remotely close. They beat him for millions of dollars. They were hated in, in Vegas, too. They, those guys hated Monsters. Them. Monsters. They were monsters. Uh, so <laughs> one day, I hadn't seen him in a few months, and I went to his place to pick him up. He's got a bulletproof vest on. He's got a gun. I said, <laughs> where, where are you going? What, are you going to war? He said, no. He said, I had to shy some money. Now, this was all family back uh, bookmaking operation. Right. He said, I, I shied some money. He said, these koshers, they killed me. He said, and I missed a week, you know, a, a payment. Ooh. I said, well, how much did you pay? $40,000. I said, well, <laughs> and this is a true story. As sure as I'm talking to you. I said, so what are you going to do? He said, I don't know. He said, yeah, I'm pretty jammed up. I said, well, I don't know. I said, I don't, I don't have that kind of cash to give you. So he said, he said you know what I'm going to do? He said, tomorrow's a big baseball card. He said, I'm, I, what he bet is irrelevant, but he bet every underdog on his baseball card. They would <laughs> do a 12 games. He just caught lightning in a bottle. He hit 10 out of 12 of them. And he paid off most of the money he owed. So the, the gun was left home. The bulletproof vest came off. He was back in business. <laughs> the, the picture that, that just, oh, my Lord. It's, it's like walking story. up. Did he, have, did he have one of those military helmets on too? <laughs> That's the only thing he didn't have. <clears throat> I swear to hell did you get a bulletproof vest. Please don't <laughs> But but that's this is but in the eighties now. Yeah, know. that was the eighties, but the kosher boys were huge. Monsters. The, Mon- they're the only group I've ever seen that would mostly bet dogs in baseball. They'd hit sixty percent. Wow. Religiously. They were the best I've ever seen. I had one good season this year. I, I think I was over sixty percent. But really, I, yeah, I was uh 109, 107, and 68 with 68 plus money underdogs. That's awesome. And, and I did I it for miserable season. I did it for Win Daily Sports and I did it for Sharp. I was writing, I was doing tennis camp all summer, so I would mm-hmm. have to get up at 5 a.m. And, and I, the first two weeks, man, I uh was playing the full nine inning games and, and I was like, what am I doing? Let me try to break my luck here or change my luck. And go first five innings, and all those numbers were from those first five innings that I just quoted. 
I just hit up the pictures. Leo Mazzoni was up at the camp I was at. So he kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, he's been teaching me things the last few years about pitching. And I got very lucky, but I was very happy. But I put the work in. But those kosher dudes, I remember. Oof. I remember guys in Vegas wanting to whack them. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I mean, they got caught. Well, one of the spots in New York got raided. They had a, an apartment there. They had $30 million cash in there. That's one apartment. They've been all over the world, these guys, you know, um, just monsters, monsters. monsters. Totally uh, monsters. The reason I brought that up was this whole sharp thing. Back then, we would call guys like that sharpshooters. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's the term that we used. Right. That, the term I remember bookmakers using. So I guess people got lazy and the sharp just stuck and was leave the shooter out of <laughs> the shooter alone. <laughs> right. But, Too many movies. It's Too a many 70s movies. and 80s term and. You know, I know some pretty dumb, dumb, not dumb, dim light bulbs that bet sports successfully. I wouldn't call them sharp anything. Right. You know, they're good at what they do. But eh, you know what? Whatever works for anybody, I don't don't care. You know, something else that you mentioned is about playing the long game. You know, you say over a long period of time, Mm -hmm. if you're not getting the best number, you're going to get beat. And I started thinking about that the other day because that's the way the books used to roll their things in Vegas in the 80s, in the 70s, is they would also play the long game. You know, they didn't limit too many people. They didn't uh, cut them off for winning because they knew eventually if they held in there long enough, they would get you. And that was an interesting thing in light of all that we see. You see these things with these guys playing at DraftKings and these online books and they're getting limited to four bucks. You know, a lot of that is they don't tell you what they're betting either. You know, these books don't want to get chewed up by prop bettors all day long. Right. They put that market up. They put those prop markets up as a courtesy. They don't put them up to get smashed over the head with every day. I don't bet them at all because they're very easy to beat. And I would get thrown out of every place. There's only a couple places in Jersey I could bet. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to burn them to, to bet a prop, you know, a couple props. And it's just, it's not smart business for me. Um, you know, anybody that's limited to $4 or $10 or $6 or $1.50, you could bet they're betting just as, they're not, nobody's afraid, of, the books aren't afraid of them. They just don't want that prop action all day long and nothing else. Um Books will stomach derivative bets, half bets, team totals, things like that to a certain extent. Um, but you, you, you know what? You got to be able to win sides and totals if you want to be successful in this business at the end of the day. You got to be able to beat the vanilla numbers. And you know, other than the, the Super Bowl, obviously, is the one day you can get away with betting props. Anybody can. Right. Um, but. Over the long haul, they're just going to throw you out or limit you. And it's not worth, you know, there's so many, so few books that are, that are just, and there are books that will throw, you know, uh, DraftKings and William Hill and books like they won't take a bet on anything. But decent books that will take a bet, you stop betting them props every day and they're going to turn on you pretty quick. 
So I just stay away from that stuff. And, and rightly so, though, too, in a way, because those are, uh, like you just said, they're, relative, they're a lot easier than picking sides and totals, that's for sure. No, much easier. Much, much easier. easier. I've dabbled uh, in it the first time with the Super Bowl, and I hit all three of them. Mm-hmm. But I played, you know what, though? I played the handicapper game, right? Oh, I don't think Burrow's all that. I think he's going to have a tough time. So I played under 280 passing yards, and I put under one and a half touchdowns. And I hit them both. There you go. But that was the handicapper crap. And you know what? I figured to myself, lefty's probably looking down on me or up on me or or whatever. (laughs) And he used to hate those prop bets until he discovered why Caesars was doing them in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But that's interesting what you say about the sharps and the squares. But, like, if you had to distinguish between the two there's a lot more suckers squares out there than there are shops a hundred percent um all you have to do just look at the advertising the ad nauseum one after another advertising and look look what they're marketing to yes you know bet a dollar win 500 or whatever the nonsense is you know they're well aware for they don't tell you on those uh, advertise those commercials what you have to deposit you know that the if you win it's only a site credit you're not taking that money out anyway right. they don't tell you any of this and they know they're getting all that money back you know it's just a teaser it's to I don't like to use the word sucker because you know what I was a sucker once too right I hear you me too I, that's what you they know. used to call them out in Vegas when I was coming up suckers you know at some point though the onus has to shift from ah, these books with this minus 120 both ways and minus 130 both ways. That onus has to shift onto the better at some point. You have to realize that minus 120 each way, religiously, you can't win. Right. It's impossible. You know, if you got to hit 55% to break even, how are you going to win? It's impossible. It's mathematically impossible. So at some point, the betters have to, have to just boycott these places not bet there, and they'll go away eventually. And you'll be left with guys that want to set up, that want to run a proper book. And I realize most of these companies are run by corporate executives that have no idea how to run a sports book. Right. All they're concerned with is the bottom line. Anything that chews into that, get rid of. That's it. That's how Vegas you know. is now. When I came up, almost every property, even if they didn't have tennis courts, had a resident tennis pro who would play with their guests somewhere else wherever they decided and they cut that out when the corporations when the mirage came on the scene everything started to change when the desert Inn became the sheraton my budget went from pretty much anything i wanted (laughs) to i had to like do everything in triplicate to get a new box of pens from, from the local place and it was very strange but you know what? That's the problem is that the hospitality, too, is different. You know, you knew their customers, and now they don't really care. Not all of them, but no. a lot of them. Yeah. Well, look at now how the tide has shifted from bet sports, bet, bet sports, bet sports, bet sports. We'll give you this bonus, that bonus. Now the football season's over. Now look what they're promoting. Go to a casino. Yeah. Win it, lose a thousand dollars. First day is free, because they know once these people are in there, now they're, they're geared. They want you to bet 
slots, blackjack, all that nonsense that you can't beat. Can't beat and it at all? No, it's impossible. Plus, and I used to count cards, right? not professionally, good enough that if nobody interrupted me, I could turn a profit. And they knew exactly what I was doing, the pit bosses. And, you know, they watched for a couple minutes, a half hour, and then they were, Mr. Capone, can I get you something? That's it. My count is gone. You know, they're not stupid, these guys. They know exactly what you're doing. And I went through the whole casino thing and dumped plenty of money. Um, that I would not advise anyone to go near unless you want to do it strictly for fun. Stay far away from those places. There's no edge there. None. I know there's guys that tell you that the video poke it isn't. That's all bullshit. There's no that's, edge there. That's big bullshit too. Yeah. You know, I it's used not. to do it for entertainment because when I was living in Vegas, I guess it's still the case, uh, I would get done with work and I would go up to the bar. I'd buy a roll of quarters or whatever. And I would sit there, enjoy my beer, and play my quarters. And the bartender would tell me, hey, don't go to this one. Go down the down there. Don't Go down there. That might hit. Mm-hmm. But you can pour money. I lived at the Desert Inn for 17 years. I watched yeah. people put the same amount of money in every day. You know, the, the ladies, the housewives? Yeah. I When I first got there, I would be looking at, why are these gals all wearing white gloves? And that was to keep the so their husbands didn't know they spent all morning in, in the casino because the coins would be so dirty. Yeah, and they would <laughs> never win. Never, never. No. And, and I'd say, and I said one time to Lefty, I said, Lefty, that machine out in front, it never wins. He goes, Shut up, kid! It ain't supposed to. Go back to That's the tennis exactly. court. He would say, exactly. Go back to the tennis. He would wink at me though and say, Go back to the tennis court. That's where you're good. He says, don't bring that up out loud again either. God damn, he said. <laughs> yeah. That's a private conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can ask me anything. Do it upstairs in the office where no one's around. I'll tell you the yeah. whole story. You know, I don't give yeah. a shit. That's what he used to say. But uh, the Sharps and Squares argument's never going to end. But no. I'll tell you what's interesting to me now. Now, they're all smart guys. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing the whole thing. Just call it something else. Call them good, better, yeah. a smart, better. The sharp is just a dead. I, you know what? I don't. I don't care. But I don't. I don't like to use it. I know a lot of people that do. Oh yeah. And I know there's a lot of good betters that I know. But you know the whole sharp thing, square thing. The market's gotten so big that short term, eh, it's it's overdone. You it's have overdone. to play the long game in sports betting. Oh, hundred percent. If you don't, you're in big trouble because yeah. it can be it can get ugly for a while too. You know what was oh, your yeah. what was your longest? Now, once you decided to do this thing full time, and when we sit down together, eventually, we can just hit each other over the head with the bottle of beer we drink because for doing this at all, because it's the hardest job I've ever had. Sports betting is impossible, but it's very difficult. What's the longest losing streak you ever had? Because a lot of people don't even talk about that sort of thing. Oh, God. I had a baseball season in maybe 2009. I lost three months in a row. Wow. Lost a lot of money. How did you get out of that? Borrowed more money. (laughs) (laughs) See, now there you go, right there. I had some money. (laughs) Tongue in cheek, but it was miserable. I mean, I couldn't hit anything. Right. Nothing. 
Uh, last year I broke even more or less, maybe one a few dollars. Uh, that's another thing about, and you could talk to whoever you want about closing line value in baseball last year. I know guys that were wrapped up by May, they just stopped. They stopped betting. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with baseball this year, to be honest with you. I don't know that that old school approach works anymore. I think uh, you need to shorten the game as much as possible, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's why I went to five innings. Yeah, and I'm thinking uh, there's some places that will take three-inning bets. Right. You know, first innings, eh, they price them pretty much where they should be, but that remains to be seen. I think the shorter you make a baseball game, it eliminates a lot of wrongs, a lot of things that can go wrong. Um, that could change this year. But last year, that long game, the pitching's just not as good anymore. And for a sport that's predominantly based on pitching, whether you want to talk about starters, middle relievers, what have you, um, the product's just not that good anymore. Uh, it's like, you know, hockey, you're a hockey better, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. If you consistently bet teams with bad goaltending, how are you going to win? Well, you don't. Well, you know. And another, you know this, uh, people don't realize everybody's so focused on a goaltending, but if you look at the starter versus the backup, not a huge difference on most teams. But look at a team that's down three or four defensemen and see what happens to them. Now, see, there you go right there. Now, that's what we would call a sharpshooter move because I like I did a write-up for the newsletter that'll be uh, – by the time people listen to this, it'll already have been published. And I took the Rangers – on the money line, even though they haven't played two weeks. And the reason is not so much Shesterkin. He's a good goaltender, but it's mm -hmm. the blue line that they have. The other thing is, is I look at the other thing I really concentrate on is power plays against. How many power play goals are you giving up? Because mm -hmm. that's when, you, when your goaltender is shorthanded, that's when you know the 1% of all goaltenders stand out in those situations. And, right, and I'm not so sure Shesterkin is, but he has a damn good percentage, and a lot of that has to do with his blue line. But you hit the nail on the head. You know, everyone handicaps goaltenders, but you never hardly see anybody thinking about the blue line or shorthanded goals. You know, or mm -hmm. and home ice need to stop that. There's no such thing as home ice advantage in hockey. No, <laughs> it's all about rest defense and of course if you've got a guy like Lundqvist in the nets you can mm -hmm. handicap a goaltender this way yeah he's well, what are 1%. there eight defensemen on a the team there's eight defensemen yep okay so you're missing four you know the kind of workload that puts on the other four guys you can't a center iceman's not going to become a defenseman overnight or, so you're stuck with four defensemen yes that's an awful lot of work to ask out of, out of four guys and and then you're asking a lot from the guys they bring up from the ahl also yeah, because they can't replace starters. No, know, nor usually. should they. And they're not no. trying to. All they're trying nope. to do is get a shot next year. Well, that's why they play in the AHL. Sure, sure. But that's a great tip right there. You see, you brought it out. Now, this, another thing I see a lot of, and I see a lot of whining about it, and I can't figure out why, account sharing. Now, mm. you're a professional sports better. You're not going to let anyone use your betting account, are you? No way. No. 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 Um, you know, account sharing, betting partners. The only way I would even consider, I see these guys getting ripped off on Twitter. 
you know, and then they wonder why they don't first. You don't even know who you're betting with. They're just being fronted by another guy that says they're okay. That probably works for them. <laughs> uh, well, think about it. Yeah. If you're a successful bookmaker and have a, a great clientele that pays no problems, you got everything, everything's copacetic. What would drive you to Twitter for what <sighs> to find a guy that may not pay you? Or that you can, you know, just think about it. Successful bookmakers are nowhere near, I mean, as far as looking for, for betters, they're nowhere near Twitter. So when somebody gets burned, I feel bad for them, but it, you should almost expect it. One way to prevent that, and then you see how, how uh, anxious they are to take your action. Tell them to send you a picture of their driver's license with their address on it. See how much they want to take your action after that. Now they know they're not dealing with some schleb that's looking to get beat. Now they're, now they're up. Now they got to step their game up. Now you want to give somebody your address and try and stick them? Maybe you picked the wrong guy. Well, there you go. You know, that's exactly right. I would never share my account with anybody. And and another thing, when I start, when I became successful, when I was able to win. There's no shortage of guys that'll give you free rolls. I'm talking about corporate guys that don't, you know, all they want to do is earn. They're more than happy to give you 25, 30%. For nothing, for, I'm not, with no onus on my part. Now, if you're good enough, there should be no problem getting that. That's exactly you know, right. That's my opinion. I, you know, if it works for guys, that's great. I wouldn't do it personally because um, the chances of getting stuck. I don't care if you vet somebody. First of all, you're dealing with people, there's betting partners that you don't know. They'll tell you anything to get your games. And maybe they are legit. Maybe they will pay you. But what happens when they lose and they got to come up with half the losses? <laughs> some are going to pay and some are going to stiff you. And I realize that these guys that have these betting partnerships, they're getting front money. Don't let them kid you. They're getting front money from people they don't know. Right. Because they're not going to take a shot having a partner that they never met, they don't know who he is, they don't know what he's about without getting some front money in case they get stuck. That just makes sense to me. Maybe I'm nuts, but that's what I would do. I don't think a lot of these guys even think that far ahead, to be honest. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe I, I, not. I said to somebody complained to me on Twitter privately, you know this guy, he stiffed me. I said, first of all, your biggest problem is you're dealing with an anonymous guy. I said, next time you should, you, what you really should do is send him your social security number. And this way he can fleece you legitimately rather yeah. than to bury you and ruin our industry with your whining. And I, I never could understand that. Now, that's not the same thing as, say, a proxy service or totally where different. you bet through people who have to be licensed to do that. Kelly in Vegas, remember she used to do that, mm -hmm. and yep. nobody complains about what uh, that sort of thing. If you need to get down that bad, then then contact somebody who is legit. Who I now I'm not sure if they have to be licensed to do that in Las Vegas to be whole proxies, but find somebody who's legit that way instead of sharing your betting account with somebody who can just fleece everything you've got in there and then not pay you. Yeah, I mean, all this, I can't get down, I can't, well, Billy Walters gets down. <laughs> I think he might bet more than anybody on Twitter, maybe I'm wrong, but he never had any trouble getting down. Len Banker can get down, Alan Boston can get down, oh, why yeah. can't these, I mean, come on, you know, it's it's overkill, 
and I'm not going to out anybody because I really don't care if, you know, people can believe what they want. Some people like me, some people don't. That's not my problem. You know, honestly, I'm just putting out my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I see a lot of, uh, a lot of people that require stroking from complete strangers. And I don't understand it. I know, huh? I just don't understand. But you know what? God bless him. What yep. do I care? To each his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I finally yeah. learned after so many years because I was doing media, you know, basketball. Sure. And you get hit because of your opinions. Big deal. You know what I finally learned? I keep my circle tight. I bring people into my life who I, I know are going to be good for me and I'm hopefully good for them. And I leave it at that. That's it. That's how you That's live. Because yeah, if you, you need affirmation on Twitter for anything you that you do. And maybe there's more issues than losing bets. That's exactly right. I think so. Now, 100%. This has been great. But, you know, I, I have a thing I like to do is I like to make or at least ask politely as, as sweet as I can. We have so many guys out there who are new to this sports betting world. And maybe they were playing 10 bucks with their buddy at the water mm-hmm. cooler. Now they're being bombarded. By ad after ad after ad, and this is far worse than the daily fantasy thing in 2015 when you saw billboards at Madison Square Garden for FanTool. And these people are getting lured into it with these free bets. You know, I took advantage of a free bet at Caesars, and I took 100 and turned it into 1200 and they're mm-hmm. going to give me my money once I deposit even 10 bucks because I've played through the limits. But what is your best advice for people who are new, who want to go out and try to make a few bucks? What would you say to those folks? This time of year, uh, things change a little bit for me. Um, The biggest edge that a better, any better, can have this time of year, if you're patient. I know everybody wants to bet pre-flop, this and that, which is fine, but why... Why not look for an improved position live, number one, and more importantly, second halves this time of year in relation to openers. That's where you can make some money. I'm not going to go into everything that you got to, you know, you got to do a little work on your own, Mm -hmm. but look for second halves. They're not, they don't come every night. They don't have to. Some of them will smack you in the face when you know when you when you see them often enough. As they relate to openers, and I think that and live betting. Now, when I say live betting, I'm not talking about betting in progress. Those are two different things. Right. Never, never, never make a bet when a game is in progress. Never. Number one, you're going to get robbed on price. You're going to get a bad number. Wait. If you don't believe me, just look, watch, open any book you use, look at the live in progress number and see what the number turns to when they go to commercial. Another thing, and most important, when you see, if you're watching a game, and this is again, if you want to bet in progress, you're going to get the worst of it. The books already saw a play that you haven't seen on TV yet. Forget about all that seven-second delay. It's bigger than that. They're a play ahead 
of what you're looking at. So if you're looking at a live number and you're, you're taking three in progress and 15 seconds later, the line is five, there's a reason for that. You missed, they saw a play you didn't. And it's either there was a foul committed in two free throws, there was a two-point field goal made, something along those lines. So never, never bet in progress. Only bet during commercials and timeouts. That's there you go. And second halves are a big edge this, this time of year. You know, I give the same advice for tennis, too. Because people, as you know, they're probably – I get more questions about tennis than anything else. And I tell and I tell them straight up, do not play while the game is wait till the top, wait till it's a changeover or a commercial break because of a changeover, because there's no such thing as a live feed. There is no such thing. No, that don't exist. Don't exist. Not even not even close. I learned that from working for a company that provides those, and, and I know all about it. And you're looking at like Tony said, between fifteen to as much as three minute delay. If you watch your and, – and here's how you can test that. To open up your app while you're watching your favorite sport tonight and just watch. Watch the numbers go up while the game's in progress because you're not watching that game live and no, you're not, not getting either. that number live either. It, it's all a part of the game. And I you see every every second of that game, but you just don't see it when it's happening. There's no such no. thing as live. One other thing I'll put out there. Um, for guys starting out, guys that want to get better, guys that want to break even, whatever your situation is. Forget about handicapping, unless you really love to do it. I did it for a long, long time. <laughs> I used to love it. And then I got to the point where I, you know, back in the day, that don't forget, there was no, these guys didn't play every two days, these colleges. It was Saturday and, and smaller card on Sunday. Yep. So I would start the Monday before, and it would take me all week to handicap a Saturday card properly learn how to bet the handicapping's already been done learn how to bet get yourself an odd screen whether it's don i don't care what you use don best there's other ones out there um watch the uh, watch the odds how they change learn how to become a good better and that's where the money is forget about the handicapping yep exactly you know what i always say too and i don't mean to step on what you said and I'm, I'm hoping to add to it, but ha there's a place for handicapping. There's 100%. But what I tell people all the time as a f content provider is that what you need to do is stop jumping from site to site and reading different takes. Find somebody, track them for six months, and see what they do. And that's how you know if you can trust them. It's a long game. Sports betting is a long game, right, Tony? Yes, it is. It is. You have to, if losses, nightly losses bother you and you you can't handle, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> you just are. <laughs> I'm being honest. I wanted to cry myself to sleep last night over Georgetown. Oh, I hate Town. losing. Oh. I can't stand it. I it's never the way losing. they lost. They got, Ewing got teed up in the last 30 seconds. <laughs> when I saw that, I looked and I, I everyone's looking around the court and I'm looking and Big Patrick is smiling. And, and the announcer said he just got hit with a T. And I'm going, oh, damn. Well, there goes that. Tomorrow's another day. But, my friend, this has been great. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Phil, really. We're going to talk about so many other things along the way. Tony can be found on Twitter at Tony C Sports. 
He's a wealth of knowledge. He doesn't spend a lot of time tweeting because he's busy trying to make a living. And we understand that. But if you have questions for Tony, you can hit him up on Twitter if you want. Or better yet, hit me up on Twitter and I'll make sure to get those to him in a timely manner. Thanks again, man. Thanks so much. My pleasure, Phil. Thank you so much. Oh, that is my pleasure. Holy cow. And that's going to wrap it up for today's show. We want to thank Tony C. for taking the time to break some of these things down. What an amazing guest. What an amazing life. And we'll get into more of that as we get on with these things over the next few months. Don't forget, PlayUp Sportsbook presents the show. Head on over to PlayUp.com. It's always your best bet. And all bets tracked on BetStamp. Everything that we do at the Phil Nason Show is tracked at BetStamp. And don't forget the Wolfline Sports Trading Newsletter. It's a a one-of-a-kind, you know. It's a long-game newsletter also. Give it a try over at cashwithflash.com. Until next time, you all take care of yourselves, be good, and most importantly... Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. Thanks for listening to The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page. 